All right, everybody, now's the time. Brown right, motion, tailback slant. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for fucking dinner, all right? On one, ready? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is week two of the 2019 NFL season. It's our look at the upcoming games on week two all across the NFL on Sunday and Monday night. In this episode, we're going to cover our regular weekly picks, Andy's total prop tees, and also get to your news of the week. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy, the prognosticator, Attridge, Andy. Wow, did we eat a big bag of skite this past well, week, didn't we? Um, well, we both um, we both went one game under five hundred, uh, going for seven seven for eight. The reason why that's an odd number is because we obviously don't pick the Thursday games. But ironically, of the nine games that we both agreed upon, also one below five hundred, four and five. Um, I don't know what to say. It's it's a tough week to pick. Um, I'm really looking forward to this week, and the key word for this week's episode is overreaction. Yeah, well, there's always the overreaction from week one, but there was a lot of weird stuff going on. Plus, it's hard in week one as well because there's a lot of sloppy plays that Kings get out. A lot of, especially special teams, a lot of really sloppy special teams play we saw Mm -hmm. on the weekend. And uh, there's just been some stuff that went on that, uh, like, I mean, me personally, I think I owe Lamar Jackson a big apology. <laughs> I think well, I think a lot of people do. But, yeah. You know, it, it was against Miami's defense, so it was. But they still uh, put up a fifty burger, uh, almost a sixty burger. Yeah, yeah that was uh, that was a college football game, as far as I was concerned. It looked like it. Yeah, he had uh, he was playing with reckless abandon. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do that this week, but uh, yeah, that happened. So. Anyway, yes. said about that week. Let's uh, get to the news of the week, shall let's we? Let's get to, absolutely. Mike Scott might be a member of the Philadelphia 76ers, but his geographic alliances cease when it comes to his favorite NFL team. Scott, a native of Chesapeake, Virginia, is a big fan of the Washington Redskins which made for a tricky dynamic when Washington played the Philadelphia Eagles this past week. According to ESPN.com, the NBA veteran was involved in a physical altercation with Eagle fans. Scott shared a picture of himself wearing a Redskin jersey Sunday morning. First of all, i got to give Scott huge props because that was a Sean Taylor jersey, and I thought that was pretty cool. But is there anything more on brand than Philly fan fighting a Philly athlete? <laughs> Like, remember, these are the same fans that threw batteries. Yes, batteries at opposing players at Veteran Stadium. And also the same fans that booed Santa Claus. How do you boo Santa Claus? They should rename the venue Massengill Stadium uh, because of all the D-bags that show up there on Sundays. Hi-oh! Every year on the anniversary of 9-11, there's a pressure to appear appropriately solemn and patriotic. With that pressure comes a number of brands who miss the mark and end up doing something cringeworthy. Lenny Dykstra is not a brand, but he has a brand, and that brand can be summed up in a tweet about hashtag 9-11. And here is his tweet. 
neither here nor there. Actually, he said neither here, not there, but we'll just uh, correct his grammar. Neither here nor there, but just think, if you were born on that terrible day, tonight is your last night of being jailbait anywhere in this country. Who says athletes lack eloquence? Such a truly heartfelt sentiment for the victims of 9-11. The 86 Mets are the gift that just keeps on giving. Doctor said I wouldn't have so many nosebleeds if I kept my finger out of there. And this just in, it's breaking news. Jets quarterback Sam Darnold is out for the Monday Nighter against the Browns. According to head coach Adam Gase, the sophomore quarterback has been diagnosed with mono. The good news for the Jets is that judging by the looks of backup quarterback Trevor Simeon, He's never kissed anyone, so they should be safe. Yeah, Darnold could be out many weeks as Mono makes the, sp- the spleen swell, makes it easier for it to rupture. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's time for the Jets to call on Smokin' Jay Cutler to step in just like Miami did last year. You know, he played his whole career like he had Mono, so a little Mono in the locker room shouldn't affect him. Although, I think New Jersey put a ban on smoking in the huddle, so that may hurt the Jets' chance of signing him. You know, I thought I had mono once for an entire year. Turned out I was just really bored. All right, it's time to fire it up with our weekly picks. Game number one sees our first of two double-digit spreads this weekend, and it's Baltimore at home in the Charm City, uh, playing host to the Arizona Cardinals, coming all the way across the country and uh, might even still be recovering from that amazing come-from-behind win last week against the Lions. Uh, The line here is uh, 13 points, favoring the home team, and the over-under sits at 47 well, actually, it was a comeback tie, if you remember, against the Lions. Yes, pardon um, me. That's correct. A you know, comeback pe- tie. People talk about being a tie is like kissing your sister. And now with a guy like Jim Bob Cooter, um, I think they're really taking it to another level. <laughs> um, but going back to last week's uh, games, again, we talk about overreaction in the market. Well, I think this is the clearest case. Kyler Murray demonstrated a lot of maturity with the way that he did handle that comeback. Uh, but the Lions should be definitely credited with an assist on that one with some really extremely questionable coaching calls. I, I mean, you saw that it was pervasive through the league. We'll talk about some of the other ones later. But Well, there were some good takeaways that you can get from that game. Like, number one, Kyler Murray may have stunk it out in the th- first three quarters, but in the fourth quarter, uh, obviously he's got some mental toughness because he put the first three quarters aside and lit it up. Now, mind you, that was against a Lions defense that seemed to be dropping into a lot of prevents. Uh, we've seen that all over the NFL this past week, and it, it all week we saw prevents just prevent you from winning. And speaking of which, isn't Matt Patricia supposed to be a defensive guru? Well, this is the whole thing. So I got a like, I've got a buddy um, who's a diehard Lions fan, has been since the Barry Sanders years. Uh, I know he hates himself for it. But every year we watch a game together and it's like, oh, the Lions just figured out a new way to lose. Well, I think we've reached the end of that road. They have figured out new improved ways to lose every year. Now they're figuring out new and improved ways to blow a lead in tie games. And it's just frustrating. Like that was entirely on Matt Patricia. 
All they had to do was run the ball. That one time out play. Come on, man. Yeah. And I just, the reason I dislike prevents is why are you winning the game? Well, part of the reason is you're calling a good defensive scheme. Yeah. So if you're up and you're winning, I know that you don't want to get beat, but that's what safeties are for. You got to keep calling the game the way you've been calling it. Dance with the one that brought you. If you're winning the game because you were blitzing the quarterback a lot, keep blitzing the quarterback. If you're winning because you were dropping into protections and zones, keep running a zone. If man-to-man's working, keep running that. But to just continually drop guys and rush three and let a rookie quarterback pick you apart, the first thing you should be doing if you're against a rookie quarterback is making him uncomfortable. And they did that for a couple quarters. And then all of a sudden, they just stopped. And Kyler Murray, who is an excellent athlete, went, oh, you're going to lay off me? Great. This is like seven-on-seven pass skeleton. Take it all underneath, yeah. Yeah, and uh, hey, good on Murray. He took what the defense gave him and led his team back for the tie. Well, they went from having a dime defense to a dollar defense. Yep. Right. Now with Baltimore, though, um, they're not very good against the NFC teams over the past few years. I've uh, looked it up since 2015. The Ravens are five and 11 straight up against the NFC and just wow. four 11 and one against the spread. So, you know, the Cardinals had the worst rushing defense in the NFL last season. They're going to be playing the Ravens, though, who led the AFC in rushing. So, I mean, yeah, that historical against the spread looked really bad and it straight up looked really bad, but they're still playing the Cardinals and the way Baltimore looked last week, uh, they didn't let up on Miami and I don't expect them to let up on Arizona. What do you think though, about that 13 points at home? Too many points, man. Too many points. Uh, Classic overreaction. Um, Yeah. We see the 59 burger that he threw up. Um, He's not going to be able to run around and, and, and toss the ball indiscriminately like he did before. Too many points. Sorry, they're going to win, but I, I like Arizona to, with the points there on that one. Yeah, you know what? I'm uh, I'm really conflicted on this one. This is one that I don't think I'm going to put my personal money on as uh, I don't like that spread at all because I can actually see Baltimore just coming out and uh, just destroy. Like Marquise, uh, Marquise Brown, uh, he looked fantastic in his rookie debut. Uh, another weapon. Uh, for Lamar Jackson. And another thing about Lamar Jackson I was really impressed with is I said before last week's game, you know, this guy tries to do it all with his legs. He's not big enough. I saw a guy last week that only ran three times and he looked very comfortable in the pocket. Now, Miami didn't make him very uncomfortable, but I don't know if Arizona has what it takes to make him very uncomfortable either. Their defense looked pretty crappy against... uh, not so great Lions offense. Well, that's true, but I mean, one of the I think one of the key uh, acquisitions in the offseason was uh, the Ravens picking up Mark Ingram. Uh, he's going to be a big part, and he's going to take a lot of pressure off um, Jackson in in terms of having to scramble and, and run himself. So that was that was good. Good job. Yeah, job, John. I think good I'm job, ta- John. I think I'm taking Baltimore, bud. It's up to you. Next, we head to the city that never sleeps as the New York Giants taking on the Buffalo Bills. And uh, the Giants are one and a half point dogs at home. Buffalo doesn't have to travel very far for this game either. It's a 43 and a half point over under. And uh, the Giants 
really looked bad against Dallas. I mean, Dak Prescott's a good quarterback, but he's not a 400-yard-plus guy a game. And uh, every time I saw Dak throwing a ball, there wasn't a Giants DB within five yards of the receiver. Uh, no, and, you know, um, it's not like Eli put on a clinic either. It's, no. um, you know, I think he might be taking a, looking forward to taking a nap in Danny Jones' locker there. <laughs> but seriously, Buffalo, you said Buffalo doesn't need to travel for it. They didn't need to travel at all. They played in the Meadowlands last week against the Jets. That's right. That's right. right. So if you consider this sort of a, a New York State menage a trois, do you not find it ironic that Buffalo is the only team that actually plays in New York State? Yeah, that is pretty bizarre. Now, there is some interesting stats here, by the way, uh, against uh, the, the G-Men. Uh, over the past five years, the Bills are three and six straight up as road favorites uh, and two, five and one against the spread. Um, the Bills have also never beaten Eli Manning. They've gone uh, 0 and three straight up and 0 2 and one against the spread. So uh, I think if the Bills are ever going to beat Eli, now's their chance, though. They, Giants have a pretty weak team, and yep. the Bills are only favored by a point and a half. I like the Bills in this spot. I do. I think what you, I think what would make this awesome is if at the end of the game Scott Norwood comes out to kick a game-winning field goal. <laughs> no, don't say that. We don't want to oh. ride, right? That's like that's like a Chicago fan going, "Hey, let's bring Cody Parkey out here for sentimental doink, value." Doink. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Yeah, no, I'm going. Uh, no, with the, I, I'm going. I, with I, the I'm Bills. with you, dude. I'm with you, dude. I like Buffalo here. They, I think they got the number one defense in the league. Uh, McDermott's really got them firing. And, you know, credit that defense uh, for containing Sam Darnold and the Jets last week. Uh, they only scored 16 points, and I think one of those was off a turnover. So, yeah, they only allowed one touchdown on defense. Well, I'll tell you, Buffalo's defense looks super hungry, and we talked about how good they were last week, and they proved it because when your quarterback throws two picks and loses two fumbles in the first half and you can still come back to win in the second half, Yes, mm -hmm. that's good intestinal fortitude on the offense and way to steal your nerves and come back, but you don't get to do that if your defense doesn't keep you in the game. And I no, don't think the New York Giants are going to be able to take it to Buffalo's D at all. No, I mean they're gonna they're gonna make sure they shut down Saquon Barkley and Eli can't throw fifteen, twenty yards downfield to save his life now. Um so yeah, I'm I'm all over Buffalo on this one. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. All right, we move to Washington, where the professional football team from Washington plays host to the Dallas Cowboys. This is Dallas's uh, second NFC East matchup in as many weeks. Washington, five-and-a-half-point underdogs with a 46-and-a-half-point over-under laying on the game. Uh, Washington looked great out of the gate coming out yeah, against... Does someone uh, want to explain to Jay Gruden that a football game 60 minutes long? Good grief. They looked amazing against the Eagles. Then all of a sudden... And I was starting to wonder if that Carson Wentz contract was... Ugh. Oh, I, I no, I could feel a comeback coming. I but, Right even at halftime, I knew there was a comeback coming. And we were lucky to cover on that one. We were Thank very you, Case lucky. Keenum, for the backdoor cover. <laughs> you gotta love it. But I'll tell you this, man... Uh, Doug Peterson made some great halftime adjustments and obviously yeah. put his team in position to end up coming out to win the game. So Washington, ugh. but uh, Dallas is coming to town 
And man, did Dallas look like they were midseason form already? Well, Dak had a perfect quarterback rating, 158.3. The defense looked awesome. Now, if you're new to our podcast, uh, we came up with sort of a, what you call a metaphor uh, last season when it comes to uh, Jason Garrett. Now, when Jason Garrett's in Big D, they play really well. He coaches well. And it's like an invisible fence that you would have for your dog. And as soon as the dog strays, so every time he gets outside of the confines of Jerry's place, by the way, that had the 10th anniversary this week. Yeah. Um, so that seems really odd. But anyway, uh, once he gets out of the confines of Big D, his, his football IQ drops about 25 or 30 points. And guess where this game is? In the District of Columbia. So what does that mean? I'm looking at Washington to cover this big number. And you know what? Here's some karma for you. Uh, Did you see Demarcus Lawrence, that little kid, asking him for an autograph wearing a Saquon Barkley jersey? Yeah, that was that's cold blooded, man. Do that to a kid. He like totally big leagued that kid. Well, it's now, and obviously this happened with uh, you know the Redskins game too. What what is up with? The NFC East and 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 autographs and, and and fans hating each other's colors. Remember that movie back in the eighties with Sean Penn and Bobby Duvall, uh, where they're on the streets of LA, going through Compton, busting up the Crips and the Bloods. Oh, so, yeah. What's the name colors. of that movie? Colors. colors. That's right. Colors. colors. That was a great movie. That was a yeah, good rap was. tune that came. The the theme song. Colors. Colors. Yeah. Colors. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, bottom line, Dallas is not going to look as good as they did last week. Washington at least showed flashes of brilliance. So you know that they, they have the ability uh, to win or at least cover games. Uh, as long as this is over a field goal, I'm, um, I'm taking Washington, the professional team from Washington. Okay, I was leaning Washington, but then I found some stats. Now, this line opened up at Cowboys minus seven. It's down to minus five and a half. Okay. Are you sure? I, th- I'm I thought it absolutely opened up plus, positive. I thought it opened up at plus four for Washington. Uh, no, I and went up at, from uh, there. I had it at minus seven on uh, sports oh, interaction. You? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. But interesting, the research that I've done uh, in the past seven games where the Cowboys have been favored by a touchdown or more, they've gone seven and zero straight up and five and two against the spread. That included their uh, uh, last week's win over the Giants. Um, and they've been dominant against the Redskins. They've gone seven and two straight up in their past nine games and six and three against the spread. So, man, I don't know. Washington looked really bad last week. Um, I think that. Well, for, I think Washington. Lineup, yeah. Right? Well, yeah, and that was Jake. But Gruden's that was a fault. last minute. That was a last minute analysis. Yeah, and they took him out for what? An extra linebacker and what? Another guard or something like that? Like, come on, man! You needed AP. I. I think Washington's play in the first half last week was more of a function of Philadelphia's defense getting on the same page and working some of the kinks out. Well, Um, they looked like it was the fifth week of the preseason. So, and I think that Dallas has a much better team than does uh, Philadelphia. I, I mean, you've got Zeke back, and he looked like he hadn't missed. Like, I mean, everybody, they should have their training camp in Cabo every year, I guess, because Zeke <laughs> looks that good, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, you got Zeke there. Cooper looked fantastic as well. And by the way, Dallas's offensive line 
they looked amazing. They really, that's no surprise. They've been, they've been good for a few years now. They have. Um, So I, I'm, I'm actually going to pick the Dallas Cowboys going away from going away from Dallas, even though I know Dak tends to uh, have a much worse uh, road performance than home. Uh, I just don't see Washington uh, cover this. I can't see him covering it at all. So I'm taking the Cowboys, and uh, you got the uh, professional team from Washington, I guess. And only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! Many teams will try, but ain't nobody did it dope as us. We Tennessee Titans, so ain't nobody coming close to us. And I bet you On to Tennessee, where the uh, Titans are taking on the Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee uh Three-point favorites. Uh, the line is at three and a half uh, on some sites by now. And, uh, like, I was uh, – first of all, both these teams impressed me last week. Uh, oh, did the Tennessee ever take it to the Browns, man? Oh, the Browns, wow. I did not expect them to come out that flat. And uh, you picked it right, though. You had, oh, you, I did. You, you no, were big I on Tennessee. That. You were big on Tennessee, so I got to give you props for that because yeah. I didn't see that coming. Um, I don't know if I can get fooled again, especially with Tennessee at home. Marcus Mariota, like, where did he come from? <laughs> well, and that was the funny thing. He had a pretty good game statistically. He did. Uh, but he only completed four, I think it was four passes to wide receivers. And the beneficiary of that was Delaney Walker, who had the quote of the week. They were who we thought they were. Yeah. <laughs> Just rubbing it in a little more dirt in the scar there. So um, now Indy played a pr- pretty good game on the road against a pretty tough team. Took that one to overtime. So. Credit Jacoby Brissett and credit Frank Wright for getting these guys, you know, bouncing back after the Andrew Luck announcement. Um, the Colts have won six of their last seven trips to the Volunteer State. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the common denominator between these two teams are two great defenses. And totals at 45. I'm not suggesting that uh, unders the, the pick of the week, but I, I don't expect a, a big, big scoring game here. If what the hell was the matter with Adam Vinatieri? Yeah, I've that was one of the big shocks of the week. Was he's a veteran kicker who is usually money. He's like Robbie oh. Gold. When that guy comes on the field, you just it's almost a given that he's going to nut that one right through the uprights. But well, not so much years last old. week. Well, they lost by six points. Do the math, you know. Yeah. Two, uh, two missed field goals and an extra point. They would have won the game. So could have, would have, should have is the difference. What I'm talking about. The good teams don't come in and say could have. They get it done. All right? It's that simple. I'm tired of saying could have, should have, would have. That's why we ain't good enough yet. Because we're saying could have and they ain't. As long as Adam Vinatieri remembers that he's Adam Vinatieri, uh, I look to see uh, a close game here with Indy being the victorious team. Interesting. See, now mm-hmm. it's, it's really funny. The Titans went 0-12 against Luck. <laughs> So they're probably just licking their chops that somebody <laughs> other than Andrew Luck is going to be dealing them. Um, Not so lucky. Not so lucky. So since 2009, uh, two teams have played 20 times. Colts have gone 17 and three straight up and six, 12 and two against the spread. That's not a very good record against the spread. No, but I do um, like that trend. Yeah. The, but the Titans, they, uh, they're going to gain that confidence and uh, they went uh, 2-0, and both straight up and against the spread uh, in 2017 when Jacoby Brissett was Indy's starting quarterback. Oh, I go. honestly think that Indy comes in and covers the spread. All right. 
an agreement. Then it's agreed. During the bargaining session, we each get two candy apples. All right, one candy and one caramel. Dugger. Sex is tatted on my arm. Got used to know my back. Cause I love the city I'm from. Hands up if you feel that. Now down to Texas, where everything is bigger, including the play of Deshaun Watson. Man, the Houston Texans last week, uh, I, well, they played one of the best Monday nighters I can remember yeah. uh, against the New Orleans Saints. And uh, really tough that they came out with that loss, but only by a hair's breadth. Well, 59-yard uh, field goal. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's legit. And, I mean, Deshaun Watson, everybody's talking about how, you know, he gave uh, Drew Brees too much time. I mean, hey, man, he, he hit a long play, and you got to take your points when you can get them. And Absolutely. there comes a time when your defense has to hold. Now, how, how, uh, how about a hats off to Gardner Minshew, the second, who came in after Nick Foles got injured? You know, impressive debut in the NFL, going 22 for 25, 275 and, yards, two TDs, and only one pick. Yeah, he did well. And I should mention the reason we're talking about Gardner Minshew is because Houston is taking on Jacksonville, Houston at home. It's an eight and a half point spread in favor of Houston with a 43 and a half over under. Uh, obviously, that's a larger spread because Nick Foles has a busted clavicle and he's going to miss uh, a large part of the season. But I did like what Gardner Minshew brought. Uh, he wasn't... Uh, the mustache? Well, first of all, yeah. If you're going to play behind a mustache like that, you're either a great quarterback or a guy in a porno asking if anybody ordered a pizza. Um, but, like, seriously, I, he was fantastic in relief. He wasn't uh, throwing the ball willy-nilly all over the no, field. No, he was he making some really, really good, really, really good tosses. But uh, Houston, uh, their defense or their offensive line, pardon me, needs to get a lot better. Deshaun Watson had that fantastic performance, but was sacked, what was it, six times, seven times in the game? Well, last last year he got sacked 62 times, if right? I remember and, correctly. And he's, yeah. on, he's on pace now to break that. And yeah, if you no, want Deshaun, not, not yeah, you want him to play for the rest of the season and be healthy and not do an Andrew Luck when he's 28, 29 years old and retire, you need to start keeping him upright. I don't know what you're going to do in Houston, but you better start making some uh, inquiries as to how you can beef up that offensive line. Uh, Jacksonville, though, their defense isn't what it used to be, right? Um, I'll, you know, <laughs> Pat Mahomes can make any defense look pretty bad. And I think yes. they just needed time to gel together. I, I would, I, I, I wouldn't use that. I would take that as the exception, not the rule. I think they're both teams have really good defenses. That's reflected in the total of uh, forty-three and a half. And with this being over a touchdown, just which way I'm going, Maddie. Well, I know you like your underdogs, uh, and Jacksonville. It isn't too far of a uh, a flight to Houston. No, no. Now let's uh, let's take a look at some stats here, though. Over the past five years, the Texans have gone eight and two straight up and six and four against the spread. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, though, uh, they don't cover large spreads very well. Uh, no, I can't remember when Houston was uh, that big a favorite against a team like Jacksonville. I, again, overreaction. Well, the last time Houston covered a point spread of nine or more points came in 2012. Since then, they've gone 0-4 against the spread. So guess what, buddy? I'm with you. Let's go. We're let's agreeing go again. 
I know, all this right, is a right. red letter day. All right, all right, all right. Listen, pal, maybe you haven't heard. I'm the guy in old Detroit. And up to the Motor City, the Detroit Lions are back at home after a, uh, well, letting one slip through their fingers in Arizona last week. Detroit, two and a half point underdogs against the visiting LA Chargers. And uh, if Detroit had a hard time with a rookie quarterback, uh, I think they're going to have a really hard time with Phillip Rivers. <laughs> well, if the Lions showed us anything last week, is that the more things change, the more they stay the same. You know, 24. 24- <laughs> 24 to six point lead in the fourth quarter. They give it up. Um, yeah, now, Lions, ironic, gonna, Lions gonna lion. Lions gonna lion. And it, uh, ironically, both these two teams went to overtime last week. So there might be a fatigue factor to consider, especially with the over under. But let me ask you this, Maddie. When was the last time the Chargers played in a dome? That's a really good question. Because they played down in the uh, AFC West. I'll give you a hint. Barack Obama was still a president. Wow, really? Three when years was it? ago. Three, three years, years okay. ago. Wow, it's yeah. been three years since they've been in a dome. That's really interesting. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what that will factor in, but maybe uh, just a little uncomfortability there. Well, over the past five years, the Lions have been a home dog uh, a total of 17 times in those what, games. What a surprise. Yeah. Shocker there. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, in those games, they've gone uh, six and eleven, both straight up and against the spread. So they're not not the most shiniest of records. And on the Chargers' end, they're six and one in their past seven games against NFC teams, and they've gone five and two against the spread in those games. So uh, I don't see that trend changing. Uh, I didn't see other than Carry On Johnson, who I thought Detroit should have used more, especially as the game went on and they were up yeah. a lot of points. You got a guy like Carry On in the backfield; they should have been eating clock. But nope, Matt nope. Stafford uh, is chucking the ball all around, and Matt Stafford's one of the kings of throwing 350 or 400 yards and still getting the loss. So oh, absolutely, because they're always playing from behind. Hey, always. can I ask this about Matt Patricia? I'm not sure. the first guy to point out the fact that he's got a pencil behind his ear constantly. But he's holding a laminated card. Yeah. What, what's the pencil for? The pencil's <sighs> for the look, my friend. And when uh, you're more so. impo- when you're more focused on look and s- getting some sort of, you know, like, oh, like Tom Landry had the fedora. I'm going to have the pencil. Yeah, but that Let was me cool, tell you though. something. Let me cool. tell you something. You ain't no Tom Landry. Tom no, Landry no, invented, no, no. invented the 43 defense. All right. Yeah. That guy's a legend. You, Matt Patricia are a guy sitting on the sidelines with a pencil in his ear who has a problem with reporters' posture when they ask him questions. I'm taking the Chargers uh, and laying those two and a half points. This is not going to sound very popular, but uh, I'm going with the home team dog here. Good uh, grief. It's not even a field goal, Andy. I know. I, I, I see it getting to a field goal, though, by game time if you want to hold off on your bet. Uh, a team that... Uh, you know, they should have won that game last week, obviously. Go iron out some kinks. And I think Carry on Johnson will have play a bigger role in this offense. And um, uh, the Chargers are excellent on the road, too. I'm not taking away anything from that. I just got to – they're going to have a sneaky win. A sneaky win here. From the Minnesota Vikings. 
the Bears, but Lord, who cares? Them fans are always feeling blue. And the fans of the Lions are always crying, cause them boys are always out of luck. But everybody knows that the Packers suck. Well, it is September, so it's not quite the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, uh, but nonetheless, Green Bay at home in Lambeau Field. Uh, they're three-point favorites against the visiting Minnesota Vikings. Now, Minnesota was one that you got right last week as well. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was starting to buy in just because the way they were playing, uh, they were they were making the – like Kirk Cousins was making the right reads. Yeah. He was distributing the ball, and their defense was a lot better than I thought they were going to be. However, I will say this, Green Bay uh, are known for being awesome in the winter when it's the frozen tundra, but they're actually tougher to beat in the fall. Their past 13 home games that have been played in September, the Packers are 12-0-1 straight up and 9-4 and against the spread. Well, when you take a look at these two teams and the way they came out in week one, let's look to the preseason. What teams started their, their, their starters? And what team benched their starters and who came out hot? It was Minnesota. Yep. Green although Bay. You gotta give, I, although I hate Green Bay, I'm a Bears fan. I hate both these teams, but Green Bay especially. And Aaron Rodgers makes me want to throw up. But man, is he a good quarterback. It only took him about you know, midway to maybe the end of the first quarter to get his tune-up in, and then he was raring to go. Yeah, but they scored 10 points, I, yeah. albeit against your, your Bears' defense. I get yeah. that. But that was the first time since 1932 that they'd won a game and only scored 10 points. I mean, that was I, – I loved watching the game. Don't get me wrong. There was some really good defensive plays on both sides of the ball. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers got sacked five times. Uh, pretty hard to throw the ball when you're on your ass. Half yeah, the game. I agree. And if there's one team that might be able to end Green Bay's 13 game unbeaten streak in Lambeau, it's uh, the Vikings. Minnesota's owned the series against Green Bay over the past few years. The past seven meetings, the Vikings have gone five, one and one straight up and five and two against the spread. Well, guess who my first pick in my fantasy pool was? Who that? Dalvin Cook, baby. Oh, really? Two touchdowns. Yeah, he yeah. looked good. He looked good. Um, and I, and I think that, do you, okay, <laughs> here's a stat for you. Do you know how many passes that Kirk Cousins threw in that game? No. A- attempts, passing attempts. How many? 11. Wow. I thought it'd be somewhere around yeah. the 18 to 20 mark, but 11, eh? No, their uh, they're new offensive coordinator, um, Stefanowski, I think is it is. Well, I know that they wanted to make a commitment running the football, but well, uh, they, 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 yeah, that's that making a commitment. A, that's a commitment, baby. That that's is a, a commitment. commitment. So I, I I like them to roll. I'm screaming Vikings. I'm right along there with you. You know what I'm in the mood for? Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. Screaming Vikings. Well, for the second week in a row, Miami is at home in South Beach, but they're hosting division rival New England Patriots. Miami, 19-point underdogs. Yeah, you heard that right. 19-point underdogs. But what's funny is New England has, has historically, with Tom Brady, had a very hard time winning in Miami. 
Do you know how many times the last 30 years that there's been a spread of more than 19 points? I, I couldn't tell you, but not often. Once. Oh, yeah? Was it? Yeah. Who's New England? But, brief. Uh, <laughs> it was... That's that's a big dog. That's like a, a mastiff. That's a big dog. Yeah, it is. Um, hey, by the way, Matty, in case you haven't heard, okay. um, Antonio Brown is now with the Patriots. That's shocking. That is shocking. I'm surprised that he agreed to live with Tom Brady and Giselle uh, in an unrelated story. Giselle now has 24-hour security detail. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't go move in with Robert Kraft. That would have made a hell of a lot more sense. Well, I did say that uh, the Pats, though, they have a hard time in, in, uh, oh, in Miami. Have. And so get this. Uh, since 2012, the Pats have gone one in six straight mm-hmm. up in Miami and just two and five against the spread. However, yeah. the Pats have been dominant in games when they've been favored by 14 or more points since 2015. The Pats have gone six and zero, both straight up and against the spread, been favored by fourteen or more. Well, Miami was absolutely assaulted by the Lamar Jackson aerial attack last week. Wait till you see Lamar's throw. Yeah, they weren't ready for that one, were they? No, but I mean, these are grown men. These are professional athletes with character, a lot of pride, and obviously some talent there. And there's no way that I'm picking this week to catch in my wise guy card and not taking a 19 point underdog. I, I don't care if it's the new England Patriots um, with this eternal sideshow that is Antonio Brown. It's hard to imagine that they're going to be 100% laser focused on this game. Yeah. And, and you got to remember once again, new England historically have a hard time in Miami and they're not the kind of team that runs up scores a lot either. Uh, they they'll get up. And then they'll just play keep away ball, right? They'll they they run the clock and, and have a lot of possession stuff. Bill Belichick is is amazing at doing that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, I gotta say, uh, if you're gonna give me 19 points with a team at home in a professional league, I'm taking that 19 points. I'm going with the Dolphins. Yeah, and and not and, and this is not a spoiler alert on my pro, uh, total prop tease, but imagine if you teased uh, Miami for 19 to 25. Uh, five yeah. five score game. No, it's not going to happen. Nope. Um, yeah, I, I I like. And remember last last year, same situation. I said Kenyon Drake's going to have a big game. He runs a kick return, and they end up beating um, Patriots outright in that one. Um, yeah, not no. Yeah, sorry, dude. And you do sorry. have to say because there there were a lot of uh, rumors about guys wanting to be traded right after that game. Yeah. Nothing increases your trade value like playing well on a Sunday. So even if these guys want to trade, they're not packing it in. These guys nope. are pros and they want to get paid. I, I agree with you 100%, buddy. It's the Dolphins all the way. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Steelers, here we go. Pittsburgh's gone to the Super Bowl. To the Steel City we go, where the Pittsburgh Steelers play host to the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, the Steelers, a very, very unimpressive Sunday night against the, uh, the New England Patriots. Pittsburgh minus four favorites at home. Uh, they do play pretty well at Heinz Field. I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger's touchdown interception ratio at home is three to one, if I'm not mistaken. You're exactly right, sir. So uh, um, it might be a much different game. 
What do you well, think, I, Andy? I, well, I said last week uh, I included the Steelers as part of my teaser up to 11 and a half. I said they'll easily cover that if they don't embarrass themselves. Well, guess what they did? Yeah, they embarrassed they, they themselves. They looked as, as, about as bad as they possibly could. I mean, James Conner rushing for 21 yards on 10 carries. Big Ben threw one INT, no TDs, and their improved defense registered but one sack. And the gem of that game was when Mike Tomlin, on fourth and one at the goal line, he's down three scores. What does he do? Kicks a field goal, so they are, oh, yes, still down three scores. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that guy is. Yeah, and And then – I, I did oh. have to. I did have to. Uh, part of the reason I think that they're having the problem is with AB going. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster, who had an awesome year last year, part of the reason he had an awesome year is you have to double Antonio Brown. Oh, absolutely! Right yeah, now, he's the one being. Doubled. Now he's the one being doubled. He's the and, one that comes knocking. You know, you get exposed when certain things like that happen because you know there's guys that get doubled on every play. And they're still making plays. And then there's, you know, guys that uh, they don't have to. And then all of a sudden get doubled and they they can't make a play to save their life. But I will say this. um, If you're going to beat Russell Wilson, the best time to do it is in September when he's on the road. Get this over the past five years. The Seahawks are just one and eight straight up and oh, eight and one against the spread in September road games. Well, I I would say that the Bengals um, really exposed what they were. Yep. Um, they they were lucky to come out of that there with a W. Yeah. Um, thank you to Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, who, by the way, I have in my fantasy league. Yeah. Uh, Forty five yard touchdown pass, squeaked that one out. But Seattle's on the road. I, you know what? I actually had a, a tough time uh, with this one. Uh, you know, one from three and a half to four. Not that shouldn't be a big decider. I like Pittsburgh to cover here. I think they they were just they were so embarrassed by New England last week. I think that they have no choice but to come back and put on a big performance here for their home ground. Yeah, I agree. They It's a much different game at Heinz Field. I like uh, Pittsburgh anything over a field goal, and at minus four or minus three and a half, I'll, I'll, I'll take them. Uh, and interesting enough, too, uh, one more thing in Pittsburgh's favor. Under Mike Tomlin, he's been great at avoiding 0-2 starts. In fact, yep. uh, they've only started 0-2 once, and that was 2013. Wow. So I'm going with Pittsburgh here as well. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati WKRP. Got kind of packing and unpacking. All right, Andy, our next game, your Niners are coming across the country to play in the great state of Ohio. The Niners are taking on the Bengals. Bengals at home, and they are one-and-a-half-point favorites against San Fran. Now, since they look pretty good against uh, Seattle, San Fran, uh, yikes. Uh, They actually played pretty well uh, against uh, Tampa Bay last week. But the thing about Tampa Bay is they need a lot of help from Jameis Winston throwing pick sixes. (laughs) <laughs> well, if we could only play against Jameis Winston every week. Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure every team says that. But hang on. 49ers Bengals, man. Super Bowl 23. Awesome. Do you remember that? The yeah, that comeback? is right. That is right. Who was That was uh, Montana to Taylor, wasn't it? 
Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. yeah, Montana to Taylor. I mean, we're not going to see Joe Cool or Boomer Esiason underneath center this week, but no, no, still reminiscent of that game. But yeah, you're right. I, I mean, okay, so San Fran, that was a sloppy ass game against Tampa Bay. Very. Two fumbles, four interceptions, a missed field goal, a block punt, four touchdowns called back on penalties. And those four touchdowns <clears> called <throat> back on penalties, weren't that all in the same quarter? I think so. Yeah. I think, I think that, that was all in the second quarter. Everything I it? just described, I think, was all in the first half. Yeah, that was that was awful. It was a horrible game to watch. But you're my friend, so I was watching it because I'm texting you during the game. And Thanks, then what man. kills me too is like I was like, hey man. That Coleman kid's pretty good. You should keep running him. As soon as I press send on that text, Ouch. up on the ticker underneath, it said, Coleman, out for game. <laughs> I was like, ah. High, high ankle sprain, yeah. yeah. Uh, he yeah. won't be back for a while. No, those aren't easy but, to come back from. You know, I. so since he's covered their last five games, okay, but let's think about, again, their performance against Seattle. I think what that revealed more so than anything else was how ineffectual a coach that Marvin Lewis really was. Yeah. I love the guy. Really cool guy. Not a great coach. Now, under Zach Taylor, Andy Dalton looked like an actual NFL quarterback. He threw for 418 yards, which is a career high for him. And that was without A.J. Green in the lineup. So I think the fa their fans have every reason to be excited about this game. And I see them really bringing it. Um, Joe Mixon, not going to debt. Uh, nah, Giovanni, Giovanni Bernard, he's going to do it. Wouldn't um, be pretty. Now, it, this is the second game for San Fran on the road. Um, however, they did stay at the DeBartolo compound in Youngstown, Ohio. So they didn't fly back to the West Coast. Usually when a team does that sort of thing, they, uh, you know, they're sitting playing Madden in their hotel rooms, gelling, playing together. I, I, my radio, I got an 80 on ultimate team, so I'm going to go play with myself today. It's a good spot for San Francisco, but let's be honest. Jimmy GQ threw for 166 yards. Um, not terribly impressive. I think that was just him getting a bit of the rust off. Yep. Um, but as long as this one stays under a touchdown, I'd, I'd have a hard time betting against the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, one thing to keep your eye on, though, is uh, Joe Mixon. Uh, he left since his uh, week one game, suffering an ankle injury. Uh, yep. We're not sure if he's going to be in the game. However, let's look at some historical trends here. Since Andy Dalton's rookie year, the Bengals have gone 10-4-1 against NFC teams uh, at Paul Brown Stadium, including 9-6 and six against the spread. Uh, and they've been even better against the NFC West during that time. Uh, six and two straight up, five, one, and two against the spread. Um, and they almost, the Niners almost always struggle in the Eastern time zone since 2015. Struggling. Uh, San Francisco's gone one and 12 in games played in the Eastern time zone since 2015 and four and nine against the spread. So you would have to huff a lot of rock to pick San Fran. If no, since he's going to have one and a half points, if that's all the juice I got to lay, I'll pay that premium. I'm taking yeah, the Yeah, I mean, I, I do see this coming down to a last-minute field goal um, either way, but, yeah, I got to go with the home team on that. Now down to Northern California, where the Oakland Raiders are seven-point home dogs against Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I know you weren't very high on KC last week. Uh, that's one that I got right, and I was pretty pumped about having Mahomes 
and uh, Shady McCoy on my fantasy squad. So I won last week and won pretty big. Um, the Oakland Raiders, I, I usually love home dogs here. Uh, I'm not so sure, though, against Kansas City. Well, okay, let's go back to last week's game that they played. Um, Antonio, who? Call me Mr. Big Chest. A very impressive win for Chucky and the boys to start the season. Um, you know, that alleviates any concerns about the absence of AB. Uh, but and I thought Chucky coached, by the way, I thought Chucky coached a great game. He did. And I just love the way, they, with the resolve and the moxie of their players, just the way they came out. Yeah. Um, they weren't going to let, they weren't going to let AB define their season. No, especially the third best car. Um, they came out hot. They got up to a 14 uh, zip lead right away. Um, but yes, uh, the chiefs that you liked last week, they looked good. Oh, they looked uh, sorry, amazing. sorry. Let me clarify. Casey's offense looked good. Yeah. Sammy freaking Watkins. Wow. He looked yeah. good. Shady McCoy. He showed that he was a great acquisition. He was averaging uh, 8.1 yards per carry on 10 carries. Um, now their defense did give up 26 points and most of them, was from a rookie QB making his first appearance in the NFL. Yep. So there's still a bunch of holes, a lot of things that, um, you know, the cologne of Patrick Mahomes covers up the, the, the bad smell of that defense quite often, more often than not. Um, I love this line for Oakland when it was at plus eight. Now it's at plus seven. Obviously, there's some money coming in on the underdog. <sighs> They're going to be outclassed, outmatched. I think... The, the fact that Chucky won the first game, that's all they needed to do just to prove yeah, it. That bottom, you know, bottom that, some they're good not going to lie down. Got some goodwill um, from that. Right. So keep in mind, right, it was a short week for them. Um, I like KC, even though they're on the road here now that it's uh, down to a touchdown. Yeah, I, I like KC as well. History's on their side. Uh, they've gone 21-3 and three straight up against divisional opponents and 16-8 and eight against the spread. Uh, they've also dominated the Raiders Eight and one in their past nine games, six and three against the spread. Um, I know Patrick. You, you can say that about most teams on the Raiders. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's like talking about teams versus the Lions. It just kind of yeah. is what it is. But uh, I like where it is. I, I like KC here. They don't have to travel very far. They're in the afternoon game. They're right where they want to be. KC rolls over this one. And yeah. uh, the, the over under is 52. I definitely look at taking the over on that. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes could do that by himself. Yeah, and then Casey's defense is just terrible. So yeah. Oakland will score points. To the Mile High City we go. And uh, it's the Denver Broncos taking on my Chicago Bears. The Bears. And uh, a rough one for my uh, Bears offense last week. However, uh, one thing's for sure is uh, there's nothing wrong with the defense. People talking about, oh, their defense might regress without no, Nick Fangio. No, no, there was no regression. Not. Those guys are a murderer's row of defensive players. If it's no, not Khalil Mack hitting it. you, it's Roquan Smith. If it's not him, like they've got an entire 
slate of 11 guys that are out there ready to murder. No, they, so, they played a great game against uh, against Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's too bad Mitchell Trubisky couldn't do anything. And Jesus, hey, by are the you way, guys okay, missing hey, Jordan hey, Howard hey, now? Hey, 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 hey. No, we're not missing Jordan Howard. <laughs> yeah, you no, are missing No, Jordan we're not Howard. missing. Okay, okay. You didn't watch the game and check out the stats then because here's the deal. You're talking about Trubisky being the problem. It wasn't Trubisky that's the problem. It's his coach that's the problem. Matt Nagy called it awful game an yeah. awful game when mitch got the the handcuffs taken off and they took the training wheels off the bike and they let him throw deep to a guy like robinson he made some very good very accurate throws along the sideline deep plus a couple nice back shoulder throws and he looked good it's when matt Nagy decides to do stuff like your third and one and instead of giving up the gut to a kid like Montgomery, yeah, you go you shotgun. Try, yeah, or and and then you do that run pass option thing, and yep. instead of running it, you know Trubisky's got to pull it back, and he goes for the throw. You got to take the training wheels off that guy. Number one, number two, Montgomery was a great rusher in the first quarter of that game, and then he didn't see the field. He was yep. barely he barely got any touches after that. Chicago needs to go back to the rush, take some of the pressure off Trubisky. Uh, Denver's defense didn't look very good against Oakland at all oh, last week. And considering Vic Fangio had the Bears defense last yeah. year and got a lot yeah. of credit as a defensive guru, he didn't look like he coached him up very well in Denver. Because as far as long, like I. You know, I know he doesn't have Steve Atwater or Bill Romanowski, but I know no, he's but got he does one have, Vaughn he does have Miller. Chubb and Vaughn Miller. Yes, right. So um, Denver should have been a lot better. Uh, one thing that was exposed was I, I know I've stuck up for Trubisky, uh, and Trubisky actually has a winning record as a starter. I cannot say the same thing for Joe Flacco, who is once again not an elite quarterback. I like the Bears here. Are you? I know you like home dogs, but this isn't even a field goal, dude. No, and I'll tell you why I like Chicago. They played on Thursday night. Yep. Right? Denver played the late game on Monday night. Yep. Right? So you're talking about almost four extra days worth of rest. Uh, and I don't care if it's a mile high. Uh, Brokon Smith, he knows how to breathe. Uh, and I lay there. <laughs> no, I, no. Are you kidding me? Chicago, no. that's uh, The fact that this isn't even a, a field goal this is a gift, man. All right, our last afternoon game for Sunday is the L.A. Rams at home against the New Orleans Saints. The Rams, two and a half point favorites. And uh, I'm wondering, like... uh, I don't this this is actually a really puzzling one for me because I don't really like what the Rams did on Sunday. I didn't really think no, they I did either. anything special. Not and uh, when you've got a guy like Goff who is, you know, supposedly a big money guy, and by the way, I think I said it last week, every time a quarterback, the last six quarterbacks that became the highest paid guy at that position failed to make the playoffs that year. So yeah, the Rams are the defending mm-hmm. NFC champions. But uh, they look like a middle of the road team. <laughs> well, and and then let's go back to the most relevant game before that, which was the Super Bowl. Um, anemic there, and then the game before that. Oh, who do they play? The New Orleans Saints, and that non-pass interference call, which cost the Saints that game. Uh, do you think they're a little bit pissed off? Do you, do you think they might remember that one? 
Yeah, I I think that uh, judging by the amount of New Orleans Saints fans dressed as referees on Monday night. Uh, well, they got hosed again. Yeah, they got, yeah, they got what was that, like 20-some seconds they lost? Well, well, How do you they, screw no, up the up clock? The, end of the first half, for yeah. those that, uh, that didn't watch it, um, they did a booth review, and because the guys in the booth decided to do a review, they did a 10-second runoff on the clock. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you penalizing the Saints? Because the guys upstairs want to review it in the last two minutes. Yeah. Oh, I if oh if I was I, I'm surprised there wasn't a riot in New Orleans that night. Yeah. So well, here's some here's some stats for you because I know you like the stats there, buddy. Um, besides the revenge factor, another reason to like the Saints is the fact that they went seven and one straight up on the road last season, six and oh, two yeah, against yeah. the spread. Uh, mm-hmm. However, the Rams were equally good at home, seven and one, but did not do near as well covering the spread at three, four, and one. Uh, my thing though is uh, it's not a very big spread; it's only two and a half points. So we're not even talking about a field no. goal. So uh, last season, uh, when the two teams played in the regular season, the Saints won 45-35, and they pulled out a win as a one-and-a-half-point underdog. On revenge factor alone, I like the Saints here. I mean, we still don't know if Todd Gurley is the Todd Gurley that we all took in the first What did he get, nine carries? No, he got nine carries for something like 80-some yards. He looked all right. He looked all right. But But they're, they're limiting his carries. Yeah. He's like a starting and, pitcher that's on a pitch count. Yeah, and I they do have a good defense, but you know, I'll look for Michael Thomas to have a big day. I'll look for Alvin Kamara to have a big day. Look for Drew Brees to have a big day. Oh, by the way, who has Drew Brees in his fantasy? Oh, I do. I do. Ah, there you have it. <laughs> uh no, I'm New Orleans Saints as underdogs. Come on, man. No. Um I'm I think the Saints are gonna go marching in. And on to Sunday Night Football, which, by the way, love the fact that they went back to Carrie Underwood for the theme song last week. thought that was yeah, pretty cool. I know we don't cool. generally talk about the aesthetics of the game, but I thought that was uh, very well done by the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta is at home this Sunday night, and they're playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Atlanta, another team that just looked awful last yep. Sunday. And Hotland. I don't know if they got the cure for what ails them. I think they will find the cure for what ails them. Um, I can't. I just can't imagine in that particular division those guys start knowing too and not. They looked. They looked flat against Minnesota. Atrocious. They disinterested against Minnesota. Matt You're not going to see that in a primetime game, man. Not, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. this week. Matt Matt Ryan couldn't have hit sand if he fell off a camel last game. Straight no, up, he was awful. You're not going to do that two weeks in a row. And and Philly, obviously, that uh, they've got some things that were exposed by the the Redskins in the first half. Um, I'm not going to I'm not going to overthink this one. I know that a lot of people are picking Philly to go to the Super Bowl. That's fine and dandy, but I think uh, Atlanta's going to have their number this week. Well, the Eagles are a pretty darn good team when they play at night. In their past 10 primetime games, Philly's gone 8 and 2 straight up, 7 and 3 against the spread. However, uh, the Falcons have gone undefeated in home night games, 5 and 0 oh straight up, 4 and 1 against the spread. 
So this is a very tough one. However, I think that Philadelphia would win it on the money line. And with only a one-point spread, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to take the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. And all of Andy's friends are coming over Monday night, and they're going to get to see a game that features the New York football Jets uh, facing off against the Cleveland Browns. Neither team really impressed last week. And uh, if you didn't hear us right off the top of this uh, broadcast, uh, the New York Jets will not have Sam Darnold under center. They will have Trevor Simeon as backup in. Darnold has mono, so he could be out uh, multiple weeks. Uh, the line originally on this game was uh, the Jets were two-and-a-half-point underdogs. It's now moved to where they are six-point underdogs. And uh, without Sam Darnold, I can't not take Cleveland. Cleveland's, Cleveland's offense may have looked pretty weak last week, but their defense was still a, a really good defense. Yeah, Sam Darnold does not mean three and a half points to the line. Um, you know, he's he's in a sophomore year. He's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of promise for him, but he's still a young guy. Trimmer Simeon, a little bit older. Um, he was sort of the brainchild of John Elway, who he drafted out of Northwestern a couple of years ago. Sort of a failed experiment there in Denver. But he's he'll be consistent. I think the, the guy to watch, obviously, is going to be Le'Veon Bell. Um, I think he's going to have a big performance. He'll take a lot of pressure off Simeon. Uh, the Jets defense looked all right, but you know, it was against Buffalo. Uh, Cleveland looked atrocious. Um, and let's talk, come on, let's just talk about Odell Beckham Jr.'s watch for a second. Oh, so was it a know, quarter, quarter mil on his rich? Well, risk. it was, it came, it came out as, uh, oh no, it was, it was 100, only 190,000. Only, only 190. he must've, yeah, okay. he must've got it used. So <laughs> I, I did some, I did a little bit of homework. The medium family income in Cleveland, Ohio is $34,166, which is more than half that of the national average. And this guy rolls out there and a $200,000 watch. Well, these guys are, you know, the fans are scrimping and saving just to bring their kids to the game. Like, dude, is that the way you want to come out in your first game as a Brown? And then complain and say the league's penalizing you for wearing something <laughs> plastic? Like, you're a defensive bat. What if, a, what if a wide receiver rolled up on you wearing plastic garb? I would have put my hat on that ball every or on that arm every chance I got. Yeah, I would no have tried joke, to bust man. that watch every single time. I, I and I mean, though, you got to remember when I played ball, you could lead with your head. Yeah, oh, <laughs> can't right. do that. Yeah. No, can't do days. that no more, man. Back in the day, you put your head between a guy's numbers and drove him back. You do that nowadays, you get spearing penalty. And you so, get ejected, probably. Yeah, yeah, and there was quite a few ejections last Sunday as well. Although, yeah, we're, you know, we're in, in the, Cleveland's uh, in case, you there, can't we kick a guy. About, well, you can't kick a guy, but in the break, we were talking about uh, how Miles Jack got jacked. Yeah. Wow, that, guy, <laughs> that, that that's anger. They almost had to literally drag him off the field. Yeah, like he did one of those things my my daughter used to do when she was three and just go like limp. You know, it was like, <laughs> all right, drag me off. I don't want to go. Um, Talk about a sloppy game, though, for the Browns. 18 penalties for 182 yards. Yeah. Freddie Kitchens, what are you doing? I don't expect that trend to continue. Uh, well, I think you know Cleveland's I, a better team over, than that. Do you know that. what the over-under is on penalties for Cleveland this week? What's that? Nine, nine and a half. So nine and a half. Split that number in half, and that's what the... It's going to be loud in New York. And Hey, hey trivia question here, Maddie. Sure. Trivia question. Um, well, it's not the question. It's just a piece of trivia. 
September 21st, 1970. Why is that significant? Because that was the first Monday night football game ever played. I guess who played in the, that game, two teams. Was it Cleveland. the Jets in Cleveland? It was Jets in Cleveland featuring wow. Joe Willie Namath yeah! and Leroy Kelly. <laughs> 21 penalties were called in that game for 262 yards. Joe Namath threw three INTs. Yeah! The Browns ended up winning 31 to 21. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think that Sam Darnold means three and a half points that line, or at least he shouldn't. I like the Jets at home here at plus six, even with their second string quarterback. Well, let me tell you something. The Jets haven't won a Monday night home game since 2011. Since then, yeah, but really, how many times have they been scheduled to play on yeah, Monday night? Well, they've been scheduled four times to play on Monday night, and they're 0-4 straight up, 2-2 two and two against the spread, and they don't have their starting quarterback. They've got Trevor Simeon, so a guy that doesn't have mono but looks like he should. I'm going with the uh, Cleveland Browns to turn their season around starting Monday night. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Dogg. Dog Pound, y'all better turn up this week, man. Y'all got a new feeling, new spirit. Let's go get it done, Dog Pound. Please hang up and try again. And now it's time for a pretty popular segment, Andy's Total Prop Tease. And this is where Andy makes a recommendation on a point total, a proposition bet, and finally a teaser. And we invite you, our listener, to do the same thing. Just head over to our Facebook fan page and check out the post. A successful total prop tease is any combo that hits two out of the three. So, Mr. Prognosticator, take out your swami hat. Give us your week two thoughts. Well, for the first uh, for the first one in our total, we're going to South Florida, where the Patriots are facing off against the Dolphins. Right now, that over-under set at 47 and a half. Um, I see New England getting up to a decent lead and then sitting on it, and Miami trying not to embarrass themselves, actually running the football and hopefully playing a bit of defense. So I'm looking for that game to go under 47 and a half. For a proposition bet, the Chargers and the Lions. So you can pick between which half will be the higher scoring one, the first or the second. I'm going to say the second half is, and that's at minus 105. The reason why I think that they're going to see a big dose of Austin Eckler and Carrion Johnson, aforementioned Carrion Johnson, and I think they're going to start off the game slow. As we mentioned, you know, Matt Stafford, he's got a lot of garbage time yards and points. Um, so I, I, I see a lot more scoring in the second half. Matt Stafford should be in the garbage time Hall of Fame. <laughs> they should have it with one member only. <laughs> Um, and then for the teaser, uh, going in a little different direction this week. I'm going to take Jacksonville from plus eight up to 14 and a half. So that goes through the two key numbers of 10 and 14. And, um, and the other is the Atlanta Falcons going from plus one and a half uh, to plus eight and a half. Again, going through two key numbers of three and seven. So to summarize, New England, Miami under 47 and a half. The Lions Chargers game to have a higher scoring second half than the first. And tease Jacksonville from eight and a half to fourteen, and Atlanta up to eight and a half. Well, thank you for listening to Week 
two of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud, and then you won't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week two games across the NFL. Special thanks as well to Extra 90.5 in Peterborough for airing this podcast on the uh, Saturday. From the Costa Nostra studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Maddie Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. I see you waiting on a train. I see you waiting for your love. Cause this is all that I am asking you for. Are oh, there so many things that you and I will never understand? Cause this is all that I am asking you for Under the sea Under the highway on the rail Under the promises you gave to me And all your letters in the mail I sit here waiting on a train Because I'll never get enough I sit here waiting like a fool for you I sit here waiting on your love I sit here waiting on a train I sit here running out of time Cause this is all that I am asking you for Cause this is all that I am asking you for Don't mess around, why won't you give that man an answer? Under the sea Under the highway on the rail Under the promises you gave to me And all your letters in the mail I sit here waiting on a train Because I'll never get enough I sit here waiting like a fool for you I sit here waiting on your love Shooting through your tunnel vision Riding on your indecision Round and round, tightly wound Racing through the underground I wish I could control it all I wish it was irrelevant I wish I was a button push I wish I was the president Under the highway on the rail Under the promises you gave to me And all your letters in the mail I sit here waiting on a train Because I'll never get enough I sit here waiting like a fool for you I sit here waiting on your love